Hello, um, welcome to the Beginner's Mindset Living Room Podcast, and this is your host, uh, Taki Musa, and I would like to uh, welcome you uh, to tune into our show tonight, and I have a special guest. I would first of all like to, to welcome you to introduce yourself uh, so that uh, people who will be tuning into the podcast can know who you are. Uh, where you're from and just to give a flavor of your background to the listeners um so my full name is champiro luigi marico i was born in south africa i've lived most of my life until the end of high school in south africa and then i moved to what is now rome italy um i am turning 22 years this week this week Uh, this this week soon when? Hey, Friday Friday. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I am half uh, ethnically half Boer South African and mm. half Italian. Okay. I um, currently am in university. I am studying international affairs, uh, with a few minors, history and legal studies. Uh, uh, what do you study again? Uh, international relations. International relations. Yes, uh, with okay. with with a minor in history, historical studies, and legal studies. So oh, yeah, quite an interesting combination there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reading. <laughs> That's what yeah. I would say. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But but are you enjoying it? I I enjoyed. I must say, I enjoyed the historic, the minor in history a lot because I, I really enjoy history. Um, yeah. Legal studies as a minor, it's just it's just there because I did a lot of you know political political and law classes, so oh, they okay. said it's good. But yeah, I do enjoy my major, but it's 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 quite it's quite challenging because it's I would love to see it from a diverse perspective in terms of international affairs, but it's it's just majority American and European perspectives. And when you do get that little, you know, flow of maybe a perspective from an African or an Asian, it's 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 nice, but majority of, that's the only thing I think I have a problem with. But obviously okay. I'm studying at an American university. So Yeah, so maybe that's that's to do with the fact that it's an American university and the curriculum is uh is derived in that form. Yeah. Okay. But you could All say right. that, but the thing is, I, I mean, in high school, majority of what we learned in South Africa was very, very much uh, influenced by European and American syllabus. So, uh, syllabi. So, I just, I don't know. I don't, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. 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 I just want to put that out there, yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, what's motivated you to, uh, to choose the... Um, the discipline or the degree that you you chose to study at uh, at uh, John Cabot University. I would say it comes from the fact that growing up, I I would say I never got to socialize like most most kids got to socialize. So usually I'd be more interested in the news yeah. than 
what party was on the weekend, you know, because I was never at those parties. So I would be more onto the political spectrum of like life, how different countries interacted. This is what interested me, you know, yeah. it, it ties in with history. Yeah. So that's also why, you know, a lot of what we know as international relations is historical. So what we've built as a discipline, oh, my computer is dying. Hold on, hold on. Oops. <laughs> Just hold on, sorry. Yeah, okay, no problem. What we have as a discipline, which is international relations, is heavily, obviously, you know, is heavily influenced by us as a society and our behaviors in the past. So yeah. what draw me to it, you know, I could never see myself studying mathematics or, you know, <laughs> these other um, degrees that were of no interest to me. So I found myself very drawn to this and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy okay. with what I chose. So I think okay. that's the most important thing. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward, uh, maybe uh, three, four, five years down the road. Uh, where do you see yourself in terms of what you'll be doing uh, in relationship to what you're studying? Or they may, may not be related to what you're studying. Okay. Uh, so in the future, the, the future, the future currently looks somewhat uh, ambiguous, obviously, yeah. but I would love to obviously be in a position of helping other people in terms of, you know, if I did a degree in international relations, it doesn't somewhat limit me to just being a diplomat, uh, part of, you know, an organization or something, but creating my own form of change for people. Because yeah. since, I've, since I've been a little kid, I've always enjoyed, for instance, giving people yeah. something and then seeing that person progress because of what I gave them, yeah. that makes me happy. So I would want to see myself in three years in a position of helping. Yeah. Be it people who are vulnerable in certain societies. Um, I understand that it's, it's a dream uh, and maybe you have to be more rational about things. No, but but uh, but I think uh, I think I find it quite uh, quite an interesting uh, uh, take on uh, how how you look at life and how you see yourself as uh, as a member in a in a in a bigger society and how you want to contribute. Because when when you're talking to a lot of uh, younger people, uh, when you when you, you ask about where maybe they see themselves in terms of what they're doing. A lot of times it tends to be directly linked to what they are studying as, as a, a connection to where they want to be working. And I think you are, you are giving yourself a very broader, uh, broader scope of opportunities to what you can do. Uh, and, and I find that quite interesting. And it, I, I, it actually syncs uh, very much with, uh, with my philosophy of life, which I find int interesting, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. Philosophy of life being. No, it's it's uh, the fact that uh, I think 
we in this world um, as individuals, uh, like I, I look at myself at my purpose of life being here to, of course, to live, whatever that means, but is to serve. Primarily is to serve other people and to save the humanity and to, to take care of my environment and all that. Yes. And through that, I think it's, it's so much easier to find uh, a very meaningful purpose in life because then it, you can almost always find something to do which will give you satisfaction. Yes. yes. Yeah. In, terms, in terms of what you're saying, I think that when you, in regards to other individuals um, my age, they attack life, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite, I also do, they attack life on a very individualistic uh, uh, form of manner. Yeah. So that we, as you said, we, we should look more out for humanity and yeah. the collective, but what society has brought upon us is this pressure yeah. to somewhat survive. Yeah. And survival means survival of your own, you know, your own survival. And obviously, I'm not saying, obviously, when you get a family, it's more like you've got to look out for everyone. But mm. I think that it's the pressures of, because I'm taking a sociology class right now. Okay. And it's talking about, you know, um, it's looking at, I was speaking to Mo about it. It's talking about like collective consciousness, mm. where it's, it's, we should obviously do things more in the light of as a collective yeah and, you know, obviously the collective consciousness is we do things because other people do it but if that's the case then we should all make change you know and i think i think what is for me somewhat what i look up to is the these different individuals in society that did, they didn't have to do much, but they did enough to help people. And yeah. I think everybody needs a little hand, you know, yeah. just help Absolutely. them. And that's what I want to do. And, you know, obviously when I discussed this with maybe my, my parents and other older generation people, it's more of, yes, but how are you going to make money? Yeah. And, it's, and, and it's, you don't think I'm not thinking about that? Like, obviously... Yeah. Thinking about that, like I'm not here just being like I want to be like Gandhi, like no, no, like, yeah. Through that intuition, you know what what I want to be driven by is helping others. Yeah, and then the financial part of it will sink, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, with a lot yeah. of people, it's more of how are you going to make money, and I don't know about yeah. that. But yeah. well, time will come and you'll find your place, and that will be the moment uh, where you can have a discussion uh, with the others, uh, including your parents, and then they'll be able to say, "Oh well, we didn't think that to you. You'll make it." But you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think uh, what I find interesting, and I used to be thinking uh, in in those terms also, like many young people of your age, not like you, but. Like if I remember very uh, many years ago, I used to think about, uh, you know, being successful as uh, accumulating, having, uh, you know, having a stable job uh, and being able to, uh, okay, having a job, getting married, having children, having a house, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, but looking back, I, I also think that uh, uh, 
uh, I was also very much motivated by, uh, you know, serving others. So in the end, you still find what you want to do, uh, which will give you a source of income to be able to support yourself. But then again, maybe you'll be satisfied with having just a decent job that supports your life and not necessarily being rich, which is perfectly okay. Or you can even find something that uh, will give you the pleasure of doing what you're doing and give you uh, maybe a lot of money as well. But then I think a lot of people who actually want to serve other people, they never really, in general terms, uh, they never really tend to make a lot of money because the more you make it, the more you distribute also. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, very good to hear that. Um, so in terms of... Uh, you as a person, how how do you define success for you? What, what does success success look like for you? Happiness, happiness, happiness. In a nutshell, and I can't even define happiness myself. Yeah. But yeah, I know very well that I know what unhappiness feels like. So I think success. You know, I always when I was in high school, I watched an interview with Bob Marley and yeah. you know the interview I mean you've probably seen it the interview asked him are you are you a rich man and he, and yeah. he said define define a rich man and he's like do you have a lot of money in your bank and he said is that what makes you a rich man you know and he said yeah. my 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 wealth is life forever yeah. and I, and yeah. I and I and I I always think back to that when we get on these topics of what is money? What is success? What is how? How do you know you've made it until you've made it? What is what is the category? You know the criteria. Yeah. And with me saying happiness, I think that with that happiness, there's a lot of um, you know tick boxes in terms mm. of what will make me happy. Okay. Will give me success, and mm. and you know. Yeah, I think I think I think I can just put it like that. I think, I mean, obviously, success is also a stable life. I yeah, think having a stable life, but life isn't stable. Yeah. So so, can can we really define? So is there is there a point in time in your life that you say you are successful, or is that an ongoing process? Is that a journey, or is that I, a destination yeah. for you? I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a journey because, you know, I have family members who have so much money that they're just good. They're good, yeah. but they're not happy. Yeah. And, and you can see it no matter how, how you, I, I, this is a very cliche uh, topic that I'm talking about, but it's, it's, it's not cliche when you see it, when you yeah. actually see that you've come to your destination, which is abundance of wealth. Yeah. But have you enjoyed the journey? No, the, the journey must continue. Yeah. You know, when you look at, you know, when, when um, Rahim and Aiko were here, we, we spoke about Jeff Bezos. Yeah. And I know he's a very, very controversial individual and he's, he's, he's in a lot of people's uh, conversations. But yeah. when you look at him, you know, he's still progressing. He's still making more and more and more money. Yeah. And... You could say he's happy, but I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like 
What <laughs> what I can say is that um, with the, with this class, I've read into Karl Marx. Yeah, you know, Karl <laughs> Marx talks about how you know capitalism ha- was well, the, when capitalism obviously took its course. Mm. It changed our behavior. It changed our mindsets. It it pushed. You know, people who were vulnerable, even more vulnerable. It it, mm. it it intensified the gap between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. I think that's yeah, what it's yeah, the lumpen and, proletaries. Yeah, yeah, and and now after reading that, you know, I've never been for Karl Marx. I've never, <laughs> I've never, you know, you, you know, communism. But you know, and after reading that, I can tell you that I think we've been sucked into this mindset that obviously what is success to one may be money and yeah and that's a you know you know coming out of south africa mm. if i if i tell them success is not money <laughs> they will laugh at me they will, <laughs> they will, they will, they will spit at me that, that that's not true you know for for them you know yeah. for who obviously have a different mindset and I think my mindset might be different than most people because obviously I grew up advantaged. Mm. I grew up obviously never, you know, scared of when I'm going to get another meal, you know. And I think that's the difference between maybe me and another person because if they've grown up less, like, disadvantaged, their, their, their drive is to not be in that position anymore. You know, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if you understand. I, I think. I, I think. Uh, I think that can be a part. But from what I've seen in life, at least uh, from my experience and what I've seen in other other people's lives, I think it's a it's a two way to that. That even when you are disadvantaged, it may be uh, a reason that gives you to have more appreciation of uh, of life in terms of, uh, you know, relationships and what they mean. Uh, Because maybe as you are struggling through life, there are people who come your way to help you out. And those people, then they become, those connections uh, of relationship, they becomes your wealth uh, that uh, takes you out of what you you didn't have before. Uh, In the same way, even those who are also privileged, uh, so in your case, I think it could be maybe more than what uh, what you think it is. It could be maybe the the values that you had within your family that maybe those are the ones that directed you to become the person that you have become and in, in what you value most in life. So it's uh, I think uh, there there are a number of factors that they play, and um, yeah, who it's, it's difficult to tell what exactly has influenced you. But if one has to take a study, maybe one can see where all the dots were were connecting.
Mola has mentioned to me uh, that um, you converted to become a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I am very much, I for one, I'm very much interested to to uh, to hear from you. What motivated you to go through that to go that path, and and what it means to you to live as a Muslim today? Well, growing up, I was brought up Catholic. I was baptized. I did my communion, and the one thing I remember the most about it all is that I hated church i just i not no i'm not being it, it's my story so i can kind of be controversial yeah i personally going on we would go to church on a saturday i didn't enjoy it okay that's the beginning so i really you know i didn't i didn't find you went to church on saturday not on saturday, saturday. yeah on oh. saturday that that's i don't know that's how the catholic church in my town worked we would you could go on sunday my parents preferred saturday because okay. Sunday would be the day of rest, and I mm. guess that's it. And, you know, further down the line, I moved to a Catholic school in yeah. fourth grade until until about uh, ninth, ninth grade. I was in a Catholic high school, mm. and it, it, it shocked me me it shocked me because you would have all these 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 you know this isn't just catholics i understand yeah. that but from what i saw is you know numerous individuals holding their rosaries but but just treating you like shit and it was like i i, I fully you know they we would go to confession i mm -hmm. would confess they would confess we would leave and then they'd, they'd still be mean and they'd bully yeah. and they and you know i think and then I moved to another high school, which, which was more born-again Christian. So I okay. moved in ninth grade until the end of my high school. And that was the worst experience of my life, was that oh. high school. And I know it's, you can't blame it on that, but a lot of those kids were religious, super mm. religious, super Christian, super Catholic. Mm. And I started to obviously stray away. And I, and I strayed and I strayed. And um, the, de the December of my last year in high school, I worked at an electronics company, which mm -hmm. was Muslim-owned. A, a lot of businesses in South Africa, obviously, Indian Muslim-owned. Okay. And, and I worked with them. And, you know, they started to tell me things about Islam. I, I, before that, I went to Dubai. And obviously, I fell in love with Obviously, like the, the 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 culture of it, you know, you know, you fall into you fall into the oh my gosh, there's just so much culture. Like, look at that, you know. And and I went during Ramadan also. So when you know we went, it was like people were actually there was you know I'm gonna tell you this and uh, that was an unusual time for you to pick uh, to go and visit. Uh, yeah, my parents didn't know. My parents didn't know. So we went, and then it was uh, Ramadan and. Mm -hmm. For us, it was complicated, but oh, yeah. I was enjoying it. I was like, look, like this is, you know, I, I, I don't know. And yeah, I would say what motivated me is the sense of brotherhood, which oh. I, I absorbed in this electronics shop. Mm. The sense of they look out, we're going to look out for each other. Yeah. And I'm not even a Muslim yet, mm. you know, and 
it's the sense of belonging which I so 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 missed okay. in in the in the Catholic spectrum, mm. and I did find it in 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 Islam. Is the same, you know, not obviously not every not every Muslim Arab Muslim is welcoming to. Mm to this, to what I'm saying, because, you know, you obviously you get different people, you get, it's, it's life. Yeah. But the majority of Muslims have always been welcoming, have always yeah. been nice. They've, they, they get excited, you know, and what I learned is that upon my conversion, which was, uh, I did Shahada, um, last, oh my. Yes, last year. Last year. It was, it was, no, the year before. The year before. Oh, okay. the year before. Was that in South Africa? In, uh, in, I did it in Rome. I did oh. it in Rome with um, a friend of mine. Uh, they're from Syria. Maybe yeah. Mark has spoken about them. They own the Shwama place. Maybe he's. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard about these. Shwama Express, yeah. Yeah. Um, and his, his father, um, his name's Mushadin. He, mm. he, he, you know, it's obvious Hassanat. It's good Hasnat to, yeah. to, you know, so he, he, he lived off it. He, he loved it. But, yeah. uh, but um, he, well, he did the Shahada for me. And, and after that, I just, I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't pray five times a day. Mm -hmm. I don't even understand the Quran. I have yeah. this Quran. Yeah. I've read through it and I've <laughs> been told numerous times it's not the same thing learn Arabic and it's like but nobody you know has taken on the I don't know of teaching you know to, to, to help me because it's more of me a small fish trying to collect all these things uh, the knowledge that I missed out because in obviously when you're young you know you go through you go to religious school as a Muslim yeah. you get yeah. taught Quran, you, yeah, you, know, the you know, you, you get taught about it, you do your surah, you do all, all of that there, and I've missed that out, but what I can say is that it's the sense of community, yeah. which I was drawn to, and, yeah. and in terms of, obviously, as I said, you know, I don't pray all that much, but I, I even before I was Muslim, I stopped eating pork, so... Yeah. I've never drank a lick of alcohol. I know these aren't the the main whatever of being a Muslim, but it's it's. Well, I think I think everything counts. Everything counts, and uh, I think this uh, it brings a very important uh, point because for you, you are you are drawn uh, into Islam by the sense of brotherhood, and I think this is very important to 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 be recognized because uh, uh, in a lot of um, religions, including Islam itself, where there are different factions, you, you have this tendency where people judge you for your actions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and, and, and I think uh, one of the things that, uh, although I'm myself, I'm also a born Muslim, but many of us do not invest time to actually understand the religion. And uh, um, a lot of times we also... Uh, those who pray five times a day, those who uh, do all the things that are visible, but then we don't know of their relationship with their maker on, uh, on the, the inner side, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a journey. And uh, 
the good news is that uh, there's a lot of sources of information that you can continue to learn yourself uh, in terms of Quran, in terms of Hadith or Prophet Muhammad and things like that. So uh, it's a journey that you can, uh, of course, seek help from others, but you can even within the comfort of your home, you, there's so much that you can learn from. Yeah. But that's quite a quite a, an uh, inspiring story about uh, about the, the conversion and what it means to you in your life. Yeah. It's a journey. That's yeah. It's a journey. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I would also like uh, for us to talk about um, Africa and Africans in diaspora. Specifically, because you you are you are an African in a, in a diaspora as well, and you have seen uh, from your experience in Rome, uh, and even um, maybe from experience of seeing others, on how. Um, what I'm interested to know from you is how do you see Africans in diaspora? Either they contribute or they should contribute to the to the economic uh, progress of the continent, but also to the promotion of the African culture. Mm -hmm. uh, because in a way, uh, those in diaspora are the ambassadors of the continent. So there, there are a number of dynamics there, but uh, just feel free to share whatever you have that you would like to talk about that. Well, I feel that um, with, in terms of the African diaspora, what mm -hmm. I've come to notice in Rome is that no, no matter where you come from in mm. Africa, I think it's been a bit harder for me as a white African, but what I've seen with other Africans is no matter where you come from, the fact is that you're African. Mm. And I think that brings you together in yeah. here in Italy, you know, there's a big, big miss understanding of what it is to be what is an African because mm. what we see as the diaspora in Italy is majority immigrants and yeah. it's not to take away the light from them because I think they should be treated way way better than how they are treated here yeah and what I think is that you know the tendency of you know Africans to come together is what I found very interesting here. Because growing up in South Africa, yeah. the, the only sense of the other African you get yeah. is, 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 you know, the foreigners who come and take yeah. out jobs, you know? Oh, and okay. and, and you're, it's no secret how xenophobic South Africa yeah. is. So, yeah. you know, it's not a secret. And I think what was interesting coming here, I was welcomed. You know, mm. into not a lot of people welcoming, but there were people who were welcoming. And I think when I talk about the diaspora and how there there is still that sense of community once you leave Africa, I think mm. that is what we as Africans haven't lost is yeah. that sense of you know brotherhood. Mm. But at the same time, I could flip the switch and we could talk about how there is self hate. Yeah. within the, not just the continent itself, but the diaspora. Yeah. Because you see individuals who leave Africa somewhat absorb another culture. Mm. And it's, 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 it's the, 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 obviously the mental 
enslavement of I don't I've left and I don't want to be connected to that anymore. And I yeah. think I think I've seen both sides of that. And in terms of how the But why why do you think is this um because this is what you're saying is quite common actually. I've seen it uh many places where you go and you find a group of uh, Africans from different countries. And it's very true that there's this sense of brotherhood where people want to come together. But I think it's also natural whenever people are away from home, they try to find people that they can identify with, which is a good thing. But uh, within the, the African groups or individuals who are Africans, uh, why do you think there's this tendency of absorbing, actually, uh, it's almost like renouncing their their culture and absorbing a new culture. Why do you think that is the case? Well, I can give you numerous answers, but for me, I think it's the fact that it also depends on what society you're entering. Yeah. You know, if it's a hostile society like Rome to African yeah. culture, then you're not going to bring along. If you're you know, because you also have to look at the, you know, we always talk about this, but it's very important. It's, you know, the mental enslavement that yeah. was left by colonialization is yeah. that, you know, you, you have been systemized to believe that, you know, you're from Africa, but Europe is better, you know, mm. it's, oh, America is better. So, you yeah. More, you're more prone to absorb these other cultures yeah. and, and disinherit, dis, disregard your own because yeah. of the fact that it's systemized. It's, it's maybe, you know, from where you came from. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm making sense. It's, 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 it's a very complicated... It's, because it's also, I can give you theories, but that's just theory. No, but, but I think I, I, I do get it. And um, uh, a lot of it has to do with, uh, with the history. Uh, so that's why I, I can see why the history is, uh, is a very interesting subject uh, to you because it's part of life, uh, where the education system, the colonialism, and, and what it has in, instilled in our, in our heads of what is better, uh, but I think the, the different dynamic that you are bringing into the discussion, which I never thought of, is that as someone who is new to a society coming from, cult, from uh, Africa, let's say as an immigrant into Rome, uh, you need to make a life there. And, and, and uh, for you to be accepted, what does it take for you to be accepted? So sometimes I think it's a, it's a dilemma that people face, do I retain my culture? Do I retain my original identity? Or I copy both? And because you are, you, are, you are unclear as to who you are anymore, once you start all this uh, uh, diffusion of uh, and blending this and the old one, then over a period of time, you become a hybrid, which is unclear to yourself and unclear to those who are were looking at you. Yeah, 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 and and I think I think what I can just end maybe this off is that it's it's tough being an African, even in Africa. Yeah. You know, because 
it's you know with 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 the, the aspect of self-hate and and tribalism and and all these these big societal you know push factors that it's not even just you that you don't want to be african it's just yeah. It's this, this, it's this, what you're put into is so hard that when you leave, you're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave that there. And obviously yeah. like you're saying you come to a hostile environment. They don't want to hear what you have to say about your culture. They yeah. don't want to hear what food you eat. They, you're going to start eating pasta and start saying, chow, you know, you, you know, you know, you're going to fully straighten maybe even i've seen some guys straighten their hair they start straining their hair it's yeah it's it's as you're saying you you you, you absorb that culture because it's survival it's yeah it's, you have to survive you know yeah. and as strong as your um as your personality is a hostile environment can take away a lot of your confidence yes yeah. especially when it's the entire society the broader society here in italy is like yeah. that yeah. You know? So I just, I just, but what I, what I find interesting is for instance, Somalia, yeah. you know, Somalia, you know, it, it, that, that the, the, the story of Somalia is literally, we can just blame it on the Italians and the English because mm -hmm. what amounted to after obviously the decolonialization era was a mass exodus of Somalians because yeah. They did not want to live in a Somalia run by Somalians. Yeah. So they, they they all obviously either went to England or um, there's a massive population of Somalians in England, here in Italy. And when you look at it now, now that yeah. diaspora is returning. And yeah. what they're taking with them is what they have learned in Europe. And I think, or America, or, you know, it's there's a documentary about how you know, it's doctors, teachers, neurologists, politicians. They're all going back to the point yeah. where majority of Somalia's um, political uh, parliament is made up of diaspora. Yeah. Returned. Yeah. And I think, I think that even even though you know Somalia is 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 not in the position of stability, I think that's a success story because people are returning to what is theirs yeah. has, has been taken away from them, not only by Al-Shabaab from all these other factions of Islamists, but pre that, the colonialists, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a success story. And I think you don't get that, the sense of that. Because when I speak to, you know, for instance, Aiko, she wants to study, she wants to further her studies in Europe, but she mm -hmm. wants to return at a certain point. Yeah. And, and seeing that is inspiring because a lot of, I get that from a lot of Africans, but I also don't. I yeah. don't get that from a lot of Africans. They like, no, 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 yeah. no. I'm, I'm not, not going there. <laughs> I'm not going back, you know? <laughs> and, and, and you'll be lucky if you hear that I'm not going back. I'm just not going there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to know if you have um, 
anything that you would like to to share uh, or to tell to the to the audience or to myself um, about the podcast or about just life in general. Uh, any any words of wisdom, any any comments about life, uh, your motto of life, anything. Comments about life. I think a friend of mine told me, always be good to those regardless of anything because you don't know when you need those to be good to you. So I think that's as a life motto. He told me that, you know, always be good to people. Yeah. Right? Like Regardless, like obviously there's going to be bad people, but be good to people because you don't know when you need that luck on your, that good karma on your side. And yeah. I, I, I think that is a very powerful outlook because before he told me that, that's not what, that's not what my mindset, <laughs> my mindset was like, yo, you do you, I'll do me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is, that's the broad basis of um, what I think of life. Um, yeah. I I do about the podcast. I think that it's it's a very I was very excited mm. because you get this platform where you can talk about yourself, you know. And it's and I think I think it's like you know it's 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 not only you're gonna learn about obviously yourself, you're gonna mm. learn a lot about yourself. So that's what I was excited for about you know this is the first time anybody has asked me to do such a thing so i was just very excited for this and i'm look i'm really looking forward to further discussions and everything well i have a question for you yeah for you yeah please so sure. so you you obviously grew up under julius Nyerere. yes so did you have how would you know tanzania, tanzania under julius Nyerere? Yeah, it was obviously different. It was obvi obviously it was it was maybe I don't know if you'd like to push it far enough to say more prosperous under him. Or... Uh, I can I can uh, tell you briefly what how I see my life under Julius Nyerere, and by talking about me, I represent a, a bigger group of people of my generation. So it was at the time. Uh, after the uh, the independence, the country was just uh, coming out of colonialism. Uh, Self reliance was the policy of the of the uh, of the country. It was a single party political system. There was a lot of infrastructures that were already built by the British uh, uh, colonialists. So you had a lot of good infrastructures in place. Uh, schools public schools, uh, hospitals, clinics, all these things. Uh, we also had a, a national service, which was compulsory once you finish high school. And this was uh, all people from all walks of life. We are coming together. You had a, you know, a child of a minister, a child of the president, a guy from the village, all coming together, living together, spending time together. Uh, there was a very strong sense of brotherhood in the country. And uh, uh, regardless of uh, your social class, you still did not feel much difference between you and your fellow uh, peer. So uh, I, I actually 
say to my kids almost all the time that uh, we didn't have much in general uh, in terms of material wealth, but we were very rich in terms of the, the quality of life and the relationships that we, we had. I have friends that I went to uh, secondary school, to primary school, to national service that we are still friends until today. So in terms of uh, what Nyerere did for the country, and uh, I think he encouraged use of Swahili, which is not the case in a lot of other African countries. So many people and a lot of us were growing up thinking of us, uh, of each of us as Tanzanian before thinking of the uh, uh, an ethnic group that you're coming from. So I think I have a lot of good things to say. Uh, despite the maybe the failures that uh, his policy uh, resulted. But I think one of the good things is that he also realized where he failed and uh, he, uh, he was the first one to come to step down and uh, let others lead the country. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, the guy I think is, uh, was a visionary. He is, uh, I don't think he's... Uh, I think he's highly underrated, in, in my view. Not so many people know about him, not many people talk about him. Exactly. And I think uh, part of it is a failure to some of us that we are not doing enough of uh, a good job in promoting uh, the work that he did. Um, yeah. But Tanzania, you know, I, I don't want to keep you too long, but Tanzania's transition into an independent state, yeah. was, was it violent? Was it? No, it was not. It was, it was, it was not. not. It, it, it was, was not. Yeah, because, you know, obviously I, I'm not going to make the mistake of comparing the two, but I will. But Kenya's, you know, move to independence was violent. It was numerous, you know, the Kukui, the Kukui yeah. was the main resistance. And the British obviously retaliated, put them in yeah. a concentration camp. So I think when I actually, you know, learned about, you know, Tanz uh, Tanzania in getting its independence it was le it, it, it was it was it was pretty peaceful in the sense that i mean no it was it was pretty peaceful and and uh, i think a lot of credit also uh despite the circumstances i think a lot of credit also goes to nyerere and his vision in how uh because he did a lot for africa but he mm -hmm. also did a lot for tanzania yeah. and uh, he combined the two in order to make a case for the independence of uh, Tanzania, and the guy was such a was such a great negotiator. He was such a great speaker, mm -hmm. and uh, you should, if you haven't, you should watch his speeches going to the to the United Nations, to to the you know to England, visiting the Queen, and you can then see why it was difficult uh, to refuse the deals that he was putting on the table. So I think, uh, yeah, and. I would say that also what a lot of leaders failed is, you know, he, 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 what I've learned is that he traveled across Tanzania and he brought different tribal chiefs together and spoke about how, if we're not going to do this together, we're not going to do it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think looking at Africa as a continent and individually as countries, tribal, conflicts is is what is keeping a lot of countries back and 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 and, and, and i don't want 
to make the mistake of blaming Africans themselves, because I think that it's also, you know, obviously when you look at Rwanda, it was more, it, it's backed by colonial, you know, presence. Yeah. But what about now? You know, what, what, what about now? Because, you know, you still hear this, even in South Africa, you know, Zulus, Kosas, Sutus, you know, it, yeah. there's, there's still a tension where it's like... Yeah, no, I, I think uh, there is one thing that you have touched on that, uh, okay, part of it is history, but uh, there is a guy who was, um, I think he was the third uh, president after after Nyerere. There was Mwinye, then there was Mkapa, a former president who passed away just a few months ago. Yeah. This guy was effectively a student of uh, Julius Nyerere. Okay. So he learned the trade by working under Nyerere. And uh, he was one of those people who believed in uh, uh, self-reliance, uh, but also uh, to emancipate the people, you actually need to work together. And uh, it's the equal treatment of people and empowering people is what sets the uh, the nation free, and it starts from the grassroots. Mm -hmm. But Nyerere was going even further that uh, uh, a country is not free until all the people are free, but then Africa is not free until all the countries are free. Oh. And if you, as a leader, you have such a vision, then, and, and if you replicate this kind of leadership in uh, the leaders that we have in Africa, then, you'll have good results. But uh, talking about success that we talked about, uh, you'll find that most leaders will, success for them is uh, accumulating for themselves and is not liberating the country. We have a lot to talk about, uh, John Pierre. So we shall continue in another round of discussion. And for that, I would like to thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, and we are going to end here. Okay, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it as I... I enjoyed it very much <laughs> I enjoyed it very much thank you very much so you'll hear from me uh, we'll uh, also have uh, you will also be able to listen to uh, this conversation okay. all right all right then okay take care